Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following podcast is for parents, maybe not for kids. Hello and welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, June 17th, the Knuckle Sandwich Edition. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer at Slate and the author of the book How to Be a Family. And I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 16, and Harper, who's 13. We live in Arlington, Virginia. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is eight, and we live in Los Angeles, California. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. On today's show, we are talking about a mother-in-law who just loves to threaten her young grandchildren with a knuckle sandwich. What should our letter writer do? She is not in love with this behavior. Then we have a very special visitor. It's Jamila's mom. We finally get to ask Jamila's mom all the questions we've ever had about how the hell Jamila turned out the way that she turned out. We're very excited. On Slate Plus today, we're talking about Selena, the I Escaped books, and what happens when your traumatic history becomes just the next thing your kid is super interested in. But as always, we're going to kick it off with some triumphs and some fails. Jamila, what do you got? So Naima made a good girlfriend in this brief time that she had at school uh, this year, in-person school. There were four kids in the class and they fell into two kind of bestie groups or whatever. And um, so she and this little girl made playdate plans for like the last Friday of the school year, which was Friday that just passed. And I was like, cool. Her mom was like, cool. And then the last minute, her mom wasn't able to do it. And so then we rescheduled for Sunday. And then on Sunday, we had a whole plan. My mother's in town. Um, We were going to go to a little festival, the three of us, um, that my mom wanted to go to and do a little shopping for her. And then I'd drop her off and then we would go on this play date and Naima would feel better because she'd been so devastated and so upset that, oh, on Friday night, I had to like kind of take her out, do what she wants to do. It was like, hey, let's hang out, whatever you want to do. I know you're disappointed about this. I'll make it up to you as best I can. We had a nice time. So on Sunday, we're getting dressed to go. And the little girl's mom says, hey, I'm so sorry. I got an opportunity to cover a shift at work and I can't pass it up right now. Uh, we're not going to be able to make it. So it's this completely fair reason, you know, and like completely understandable to adults, but to a child, it's like, what? You're just taking this thing away from me. So Naima's immediately like, we're just never going to happen. It's just not happening. And the girls had like just signed off of playing Roblox, like see you in two hours. And so like, she texts her like, it's not happening. So no, see you in two hours. And, you know, and I'm like, Naima, you and I will go and we'll have a nice day. And whenever they're available next week, I will drop anything. I will make it happen. Right. Like whenever they're available, we will go on this play date. And she's like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just, today is just done. It's just done. And I'm not going to smile. There's nothing you can do to make me smile smile. I will never smile again. So like, this is the energy with which she left the house. My mother decided to not go with us probably because, you know, Naima had declared that she was never going to smile again. So this wasn't really looking like the best time at the festival. 
But my triumph is that somehow I managed to pull her out of that funk with a combination of some good fun tunes in the car and a little cotton candy and a little (laughs) bit more overindulgence (laughs) in sugar. And we had a really, really happy day. And she smiled. And when we were coming home, she said, I know I said I wasn't going to smile today, but I really had a good day with you. And we have these necklaces that she just gave, like my mom bought for her took her to buy and uh so she and i could have them at claire's it says mother and daughter it's like a half heart i have to like remember to take this off because i'm going to the club tonight but like her thing now is that we like hold them up to each other and so like we were coming in and she told me that i made her smile like she held up the necklace to me and like when i was putting her to bed and i thought she was asleep she just holds up her necklace like "Mm -mm." so this what was going to be the worst day ends up being one of the best days we've had together in a really long time that's really sweet. Are you just like exploding with all the cool mom joy too? Yes, I <laughs> felt like such a cool mom. I was like, I took you out to something that I actually enjoy doing too. And like, it was not miserable. We didn't have to like, I don't know, go to Chuck E. Cheese or something. Like we just had a really nice time in each other's company. Doing something normal. I love that. Way to recover the day. Way to recover. That. Shout out to Sugar. Yeah, sometimes when a kid is really determined to make a full day, a disaster, it can feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. The you two are sentenced to that. So they, the act of pulling them out of that without being overt about it, without being like, okay, now smile, now right. smile, smile now. Like, that's really good. Thank you. Elizabeth, what about you? Triumph or fail? Fail for me. Um, so we had a big weekend of just like moving errands. Like there's all kinds of things that the movers either like lost or damaged beyond repair that need replaced. And um, we don't, we usually try to like just do one adult and one kid running errands. But it was like some of the things we need are like some furniture. And so we decided we'd take the whole family out so that we could like all sit around the hopefully new dining room table and like kind of make sure that everybody liked it uh, in hopes, you know, that it doesn't get broken again. It's nice. So we got everyone into the car, but my car after coming back from the road trip needed to go into the shop. And when Jeff took it, he was like, Oh, I'm going to sit with it. So I emptied nothing except for Teddy's car seat. Like the other two kids have travel car seats. Okay. Well, fast forward two weeks, that car is still in the shop. (laughs) I, so I'm in like a, like a temporary vehicle. Um, so I have none of the things that I usually have. So I I rush the kids out, out of the house. It's like always kind of a mess to get everybody in the car, especially because we don't have our, you know, not everyone's in their normal car seats. They don't have their normal stuff in the car. I get everybody in the car. We drive like 25 minutes to the first store. We open the doors and we're getting everybody out. And Henry's like, oh, we're going to the store. I don't have shoes on. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have shoes on? (laughs) Like who gets in the car without shoes on? So I'm like, okay, there's a Marshall's here. So I take Teddy and I go to the Marshall's and Jeff puts socks on Henry and like puts him into the cart, like in the, of the cart of the bed, bath and beyond. And they go to get a trash can with Oliver. So like my, you know, 70 pound nine-year-old is like in the cart, like pushing him around (laughs) shopping for trash cans. I go to the Marshall's. There is like nothing in his size, but I find a pair of those like sport slides a size and a half too big. And I think like, okay, like well, Mark Zuckerberg, Adidas. Yes, exactly. Those exact shower, things. Yeah. But you know, some like one pair of some kind of off brand at Marshall. So I purchase these for $16. I'm like, whew, like disaster averted. Cause we have so many shops to go to. I like give them to him. He looks crazy. Cause they're way too big, but at least they're shoes. We like continue <laughs> on our day, run our errands. Okay. We go out on Sunday 
and we are headed to the library to like go get some books. And I pull up and we're getting out of the car. It's just me. And Teddy's like, I don't have shoes. Like, what do you mean you don't have shoes? So what about your up- new slides? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, like you know, yeah. He's like, can't you just go to the store and buy me shoes? <laughs> like, no. <sighs> so we like, I make it work. I run and return the books. We don't get new books. It's totally fine. This morning, you guys, <laughs> we go to swim team to pick up the children. The two bigs are in swim team, and we, <laughs> I open the door to the car. And Teddy's like, you're gonna have to carry me. <laughs> I don't have shoes. I. <laughs> I, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. How, I mean, I just had one kid with me this last time. Sounds to me like your kid is, has discovered a fun new game. I think he I has guess. discovered a fun new game. But wait, you picked him up from swim and he was shoeless? So Teddy was with me and we had to go to like get, get the kids. Oh, from I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. He's already in yeah, the car. Sorry. I thought you meant on the way. He's to already go. in the car. Okay. Yeah. I just had one kid with me all morning and somehow we had shoes when we dropped them off. We did not have shoes when we picked them up. You are getting played. Do you get it? Yeah, I'm like. Loves getting carried and buying new shoes. Are you going to find these shoes in a seat back pocket when you return the The shoes are like exactly where they're supposed to be here at the house in the cubby by the door. No, I mean, if this were my car, I would throw the shoes in there and the shoes would never leave there. Like I would take them off of his feet and I would just stick them back in the car so that there was always a pair. But it's not my car. And so. You should put the slides in there. Yeah. Everyone can just wear the size eight slides. Yeah. <laughs> you for, these are the forgotten shoes. They're the emergency shoes. Yeah. shoes, shoes. Like you have an emergency <laughs> first aid kit. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. The shoes of shame. And then whoever rents the car next will have a nice yeah. treat waiting for them. <laughs> exactly. Size eight athletic shower slides. <sighs> uh, all right. I have a, um, it's, uh, it's somewhere between, it's a little bit of triumph, a little bit of fail, all baked in a casserole. I'll let you guys judge where it falls uh, on the on the spectrum in the end. So Harper is graduating from eighth grade from middle school this week. And, you know, it's been a very strange school year. Uh, and so I think Harper is not maybe quite as jazzed about the whole graduation experience as she might have been in a normal school year. Or maybe she's just at the age where, like, you just don't get jazzed about that stuff where it just all seems sort of vaguely embarrassing that people are making a big deal out of anything. So they've had a bunch of, you know, sort of modest activities, including the ones that I discovered after I called the school so angrily to complain about uh, how it was going to be a Zoom graduation in my previous fail. But then, you know, eventually they announced they're going to have like, uh, you know, uh, yard signs for everyone, which we haven't picked up yet. And a greeting from the principal. And the big thing was this drive through parade that they announced, which seemed very fun. The idea was for like a two hour window earlier this week, you could drive through the front driveway of school and everyone from school would be there cheering all the graduates on all the teachers and staff and a bunch of parents and everyone and they promised there would be decorations and noises and fun and the kids would really enjoy it harper was mildly interested in this and willing to do it but definitely was not evincing a lot of enthusiasm about it but i was feeling sort of bad that an occasion that in previous years probably would have meant a lot more pomp and circumstance in general from us and from the school and from the world just felt like it was a little bit flat for her so I was like, all right, well, one thing I know we can do is for for this 
drive through parade, we can decorate the car. That's the thing that everyone loves to do around Arlington. It's a real suburban joy activity for any big event in a kid's life. They're on a sports team that made it to state or it's prom Mm -hmm. or you just turned 12 or whatever. Everyone decorates their cars with like special car paint and streamers and balloons and shit. And then for like a week afterwards, you see the car driving around with like the ghosts of all this writing on the windows. Um, it's like it seems like it's sometimes it seems like seventy percent of the cars in Arlington are in some stage of celebration decoration <laughs> decomposition. So I was like, well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna decorate the car for Harper while for her parade. She's gonna love it. So the parade was Monday. She Harper has gotten herself a little part-time job babysitting for the third grader of a friend of ours uh, for a couple of hours on Mondays when she has her asynchronous learning day so she doesn't have any actual classes so she has time to go take care of a kid so uh, the kid's parents can get anything done that day so she loves it so uh she was there babysitting for sebastian i was gonna pick her up at 2 30 and at like 2 27 i was like all right how do i decorate this car <laughs> oh no Dang. Uh, needless to say, <laughs> I had forgotten to buy any paint or anything like that. Um, but I did have soap. I had a bar of Irish spring soap. So I took that out to the car and I used it to draw on the back windshield. Happy graduation, Harper, Williamsburg, class of 2020, blah, blah, I wrote all this stuff on there. And I thought honestly it looked Okay. We had a big party streamer and Ollie and I wrapped it around the back windshield wiper. So it trailed behind the car. So I wouldn't say it looked professionally done, but it looked like it looked different than the car usually looked. (laughs) So I went to pick up Harper at at, uh, Sebastian's house for the parade. Sebastian was coming along because she was still officially babysitting for him. And they both walked out of the house and looked at the car and Harper went, Oh, no. <laughs> Dad, did you do that? And I said, yeah. And Sebastian said, you did that? And I said, yeah. And Harper just literally did like a face palm. Oh, my God. Uh, and then she shook her head and then she got in the car. We drove toward the, the drive through parade. And as we were approaching, I noticed, you know, there are other cars on the road with, let's say, fancier decorations. <laughs> You know, big balloons they put on the on the windshield that said "Class of 2021" or whatever. (laughs) They decorated their cars. They did not use soap. (laughs) Uh, And each time one would pass, I was thinking, "Class of 2021. Why do they all put these years from the future on their?" Oh no! (laughs) And I was like, "Oh, it is 2021 now." But I wrote 2020 all over our car (laughs) in Irish Spring soap. And I made this observation to Harper, and she went, oh, my God, Dad. (laughs) And then we drove through the parade, and I high-fived the Williamsburg Wolf (laughs) mascot. And they had dozens of people cheering, and Harper honestly seemed to like the parade quite a bit. (laughs) And then we drove home, and before I could do anything else, uh, Harper and I wiped off the last zero in 2020. And I brought the soap back out, and we replaced it with a one. And then I brought her back to her babysitting gig. So that was her oh big graduation God. surprise for me. So what do you think? <laughs> fail them? Uh, yes, it's a fail. We're, this is not redeemed. Where's the triumph? All right, great. Where is the triumph? Was the triumph? <laughs> uh, that uh, 
I did anything. <laughs> in some cases, doing nothing is better. In some cases, doing mm. nothing. It, like, mm. when we got... I feel like this was already a doing nothing might have been better moment when Harper and Sebastian saw it. But it was mm-hmm. the 2020 that took it just perfect. Perfect fail. This is the real issue is that it turns out I... I've now been working in magazines long enough that I just need copy editors for everything. <laughs> I can't go uncopy edited. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. Anyways, happy graduation, Harper. Happy graduation. I'm yeah. sorry your dad is a fuck up, but better <laughs> luck in 2025 or whatever year it is you graduate from high school. Who can say? All right. Uh, before we move on to our segments today, we've got a listener update. We love these, and we're really grateful for this listener for writing in. So a few weeks back, you might remember that former Mom and Dad are Fighting co-host, Allison Benedict, rest in peace, our bickering correspondent, joined us to tackle a question about grandparents arguing with each other to the point where their grandson was just saying he didn't even want to see them anymore. He couldn't take it anymore. Uh, And this listener wrote in after hearing our advice on the show. Jamila, take it away. Hello again. I just wanted to thank you for your advice and give an update on my situation. Believe it or not, I never thought of talking to my parents separately, and your advice made me realize that I was causing them to be defensive when I brought it up with them both in the room. So I took my mom to the nail salon a week ago, and I told her that the bickering was starting to affect my kids and that G was starting to complain about their arguing. I told her that I don't want to make them see the kids separately, but it would be necessary to separate them if the arguing didn't stop. She was a little defensive at first. When I brought up how my son complains about visiting them, she softened and said, really? I didn't know it upsets him that much. She told me she would try, but she also said, well, remember, it's not my fault if your dad starts arguing, to which I replied that she can ignore him and walk away. I haven't spoken to my dad yet because he's a lot more defensive and not keen on talking about emotions. However, we just saw them today for the first time since I took my mom to the salon and things have dramatically improved. They hardly argued at all. And when my dad brought up an old argument, my mom just rolled her eyes, shrugged her shoulders and walked out of the room. I was astonished. And the best part of it was that my kids seemed so much more at ease and comfortable. I really noticed a difference in my son's demeanor and reaction to my parents. He happily spent hours talking and reading books with them and he didn't leave the room to play on his own like he usually does. If they do start arguing again, I plan to remind my mom how much happier my son is if he doesn't need to referee or hide from them. Thank you so much for your sage advice and your ability to point me in the right direction to get me on the right track. That's so great. I love that we were helpful uh, to this woman. I hope at some point she is able to talk to her dad as well (laughs) or that someone talks to her dad. But uh, this seems like a great start to making this situation better. So I'm going to pass this on to Allison. Rest in peace and let her know that her advice was really good. And thank you so much, listener, for checking back in. And anyone, if we ever answer your question on the show, we love it when we hear back from you. So drop us a line at slate.com. All right, let's talk business. First, please subscribe to Mom and Dad Are Fighting. It really helps us out. Plus, it really helps you out because in the daily craziness of the working week, all of a sudden a magical gift will show up in your podcast feed, a new episode. It's a win-win. And if you want even more of our show, you should become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every single week. Here's a sneak peek of what you could hear today. There's also like September 11th, like Pearl Harbor, like these, these. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. I I survived 9-11. I survived 9-11. 
This that is really the one that initially set me off. Not only will you get fun extra segments like that, you'll also get the rest of the podcast with no ads. You'll get bonus episodes for shows like Slow Burn and Big Mood, Little Mood. You'll get to listen to the whole new season of Decoder Ring now instead of waiting for my episode, which otherwise you'll have to wait until July for. And you'll get unlimited reading on the Slate site. So support Mom and Dad are Fighting, support Slate, sign up for Slate Plus. It's only a dollar for the first month. Just go to slate.com slash Plus. And if you want even more of us, sign up for Slate's parenting newsletter. It's the best place to be notified about all our parenting stuff, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much, much more. Also, it's just, you know, a personal email from me every week. Sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. All right, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And we're back. All right. On to our first listener question. Let's hear it. Shasha Leonard. Dear mom and dad, I have an 18-month-old daughter and my husband and I live in the same city as his parents. They've been great and I can count on them if we ever need them. I've always had some concerns though because they aren't always into new ideas, especially when it comes to parenting. My mother-in-law had three boys by the time she was 25, so it's been a while since she's had to parent. For example... They both were a little grossed out that I breastfed my daughter until nine months, and were elated when we switched to formula. Last summer, during quarantine, Grandma watched our then six-month-old over the summer, and when my daughter did anything quote-unquote bad, she would say to my daughter, do you want a knuckle sandwich, while shaking a balled-up fist at her. I was horrified at first. My mother-in-law doesn't take criticism well at all and gets defensive. So, I talked to my husband about it because he's always been willing to handle those situations. He thought it was harmless and just a funny thing. I mentioned it to my therapist, who also said that while not ideal, it would not affect how we're raising our daughter. I did my best not to let it bother me. Fast forward to now. My daughter will ball up her fist when they say it, and it's all cute and funny to them. Until last weekend, when my father-in-law did the whole routine but proceeded to fake punch my daughter in the eye. I was shocked. I know they would never hit her or anyone, but why? That's not cute or funny. My husband didn't see it, but he said he would handle things with his dad. Do I trust that it will stop? How do I start speaking up for my parenting with my in-laws? Do I chalk it up to the old-style parenting of boys? I don't feel like it's my place to talk to them, but... Sometimes I feel my husband lets too much time pass before bringing things up. Thanks. Intimidated and shy mom. 
Okay, I think this is like all about the intonation and like the scenario in which this is done. So my in-laws do something like this. It has to do more with like, you know, eat this food or, you know, would you prefer a knuckle sandwich? And my kids think it's hysterical. I mean, I they just laugh. It's like very loony, toony, you know, like violent, funny. I... I don't find it funny. They find it funny. I think, though, that the the joke for the kids is because they know their grandparents would not punch them, right? Like, they know that the that the punch or the knuckle sandwich is, like, like, a fake threat. So that is funny to them. That being said, it's clearly a big deal to her, to the letter writer. But if you have... A- outsource this to your husband. Like you have said, this is your family. You need to deal with this. This is why it bothers me. I think you have to believe that he is going to talk to them about it and do something about it. I'm not sure that it that it's necessarily like smart to then get involved in something in which you have expressed to him that you don't like with his family. He has said he's going to address it until there is some demonstration that like there is some sort of harm or it's causing some kind of problem. You know, if your child starts punching people, this is a whole different conversation. I just really feel like she has to trust that he's going to do something about it instead of like trying to to go around it and now talk to the parents about this when he hasn't gotten a chance. So, I mean, I think expressing her displeasure to her husband about this behavior is fine and discussing that because maybe you know, without seeing it, it's hard to know, like, does it really feel harmless and funny? And then just something like we don't do at home. And in fact, when my kids have made the knuckle sandwich joke at home, I've just said, like, eh, I don't really find it that funny. And then that has kind of killed it, right? Because the whole point of it is that it's like everybody thinks it's funny and everybody's laughing. And when that ceases to happen, then the joke is no longer funny. So at our house, that doesn't necessarily happen. You know, it happens at the in-laws house. So I don't know. I think you just let it lie. What do you guys think? To your last point, I think you can even articulate that something is maybe a grandma and grandpa's house joke versus an our house joke, right? That's something that I've had to do with Naima. That I don't bathroom humor is not something that I'm willing to entertain in this house, right? And so I'm like, if that's okay at dad's house, that's totally fine. It's fine in a lot of people's houses. It is not something that I want for this house. And I think to that point, you should be clear that your husband is clear on what your opposition to this behavior is and that he has the language to articulate it to his parents. Because if it's just like, well, I don't like it. It's come on. Ah, look at that. Why would you let them do that? Right? Like if he's operating from that place, it may be kind of difficult for him to explain to these old school people why this is so bothersome to you. It may just become, well, you know, she doesn't like it because you just not, which is not really an ideal way to have that conversation. Right? Like, and so what is it to you, letter writer? Because you didn't really articulate it to us. Is it that you don't want to normalize violence? Is it that you don't think any sort of violent play is okay for children? Do you think it's because she's a girl? Like, what is your opposition to it? I think you should make that clear to your husband and also set a time with him for him to have this conversation instead of saying, I hope that he'll get to it, right? Just say like, okay, we're going to be visiting your parents on Sunday. Do you think that maybe you could have a chat with them while we're there? You know, or or if we're going to be taking this trip together in two weeks, when do you think you'll get a moment with your parents just so we can make sure we're on the same page? 
What do you think, Dan? I really feel for this husband in this situation who I think is probably not saying anything to his parents because he believes correctly, in my opinion, that his parents will be like, but that's not objectionable or bad at all. And it's a cute thing that we share with our grandkids that we like that with our grandkid that we like, and that makes her laugh. And you don't have any good reason for not wanting us to do it. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's, he is worried that it is going to make her look neurotic and weird to his parents Mm -hmm. to bring this up to them. And I think he's right to worry about that because I think it will make her look neurotic and weird because I really think that this is like a gigantic nothing burger of a behavior situation that if you can find any possible way to do it, you should just continue to let go and not think about it ever again. Like this is a funny thing that your, that your in-laws do. It's not your style. It harms no one will never harm anyone and brings your daughter joy and continuing to like make an issue about it and to include your husband in making an issue about it is just a recipe for your in-laws being annoyed by you, your husband being annoyed by your in-laws and by you and you continuing to be annoyed when it's just replaced by some other behavior that you also don't like. So the ideal scenario here, I think would be for you to continue listening to the advice that your therapist gave you, which is that it's not going to affect how you're raising your daughter. It has no effect whatsoever. And that it really would be best for you to let it not bother you that a playful, goofy, pretend punch in the eye from a person you love that is offered totally in the spirit of funny silliness is not the same. I don't think. And I think certainly your in-laws agree is not the same as like advocating violence or being permissive about violence. The thing that makes me feel bad about giving this advice is that sign off that she gave in this letter that she feels intimidated and shy in this situation. And that I think seems like a real problem, certainly much realer to me than this imaginary problem of this behavior of the grandparents. And if you're truly feeling letter writers so intimidated and shy about this situation that you simply like can't imagine bringing up something that clearly is this is really important to you to these people you know that seems worth digging into and exploring perhaps with that therapist perhaps with your husband but i'm curious what you guys think about that sign off which to me seemed notable in light of the sort of the tone of the rest of the letter And you're speaking to kind of like how she says, how do I start speaking up for my parenting with my in-laws? Like, I'm giving you this one example. Right. And the example she gave earlier in the letter about her parents being like pains in the ass about her breastfeeding, like that's a real thing. Right. That's a real thing that I'm sure she wanted to speak up about, but couldn't find it within her ability to do so. I mean, I think so much of that is about building up that relationship with your spouse too and having his support in those moments, right? So that, because especially because it's his parents, like being able to have an open dialogue, like I don't see anything wrong with her telling her spouse and having conversations, you know, with her partner about what she doesn't like about the parenting that happens when they're there. But I, I agree with you, Dan, that some of that then has to be like, if he says, 
I really don't see, you know, a big deal about this. And if I tell them this might be the eventual consequence, like you have to accept that some things we say this all the time, some things that that your parents do or your grandparents do with your kids, they are not going to be the way you do them. And you just sort of say this is okay because you want to have that relationship with them in the same way that you don't want to be told, you know, how your parenting is wrong. Right. They don't want to be told how their parenting is wrong. But I I agree with you that I, I think the issue is that she needs to be able to tell her spouse these things. And then he needs to be there for her in those moments so that when the breastfeeding is an issue or when something like that comes up, whatever the next thing, you know, how you're potty training, how you're doing this, that it is the person telling their parents kind of this is how we've decided to do it. Right. Standing up for the way you as a as a family have decided to do something. Um, is very different, though, than saying, like, we don't do right. X when X is harmless. And so the the two are very different. But I think it all comes from this relationship of trusting the other person. And I think that's the, like, when she says, like, how do I trust him that he's going to do this? I feel like in a partnership, you just have to trust that the other person is going to put your best interest, even if that's not talking to their parents, <laughs> right? Even if it's to say... I'm going to handle it if the handling it is just I'm just for this moment going to make it go away and in our house not laugh about it. Right. You have to trust that this person is doing the right thing, even if it's not the way you necessarily wanted them to handle it. You know, what? I agree with that. And I do think that like an underlying issue may be that this isn't you all's parenting style. This is your feeling that you all have not like talked about effectively so that he's on board that you all have come to an agreement about like what is acceptable play violence and what isn't right like that, there, that it just kind of sounds like you've had this reaction to something and you've made a decision about how you would like for that to be uh how that sort of thing would factor in your household right like that perhaps it's no play and again i, I don't know what that thing is but i'm assuming that it's violence is you know to be avoided but like if this is not a discussion that you all have had beyond just what it means to have them playing the knuckle sandwich game with the baby then he certainly is not prepared to communicate this on your behalf and no you can't trust him to do it because you all haven't had that conversation but i will disagree with you all a little bit in that i don't think this is a nothing burger because she's so bothered by it and that she it's that reference to defending her style of parenting mm. this itself may be a, a nothing issue right because we don't know how old these grandparents are when your child is old enough where something like this could be more impactful I don't know if they would still be playing those games with them right but in this moment it sounds like you feel unheard and I don't know if you deal with anxiety, but like for a lot of people feeling unheard or feeling like I'm, I, I want to articulate myself and I can't can be incredibly stressful. And it can make something that is kind of small, like, you know, playing a punching game with the baby feel like it's this bigger thing because now it's become reflective of the fact that I'm always unheard. And so mm-hmm. I just really quickly, I want to defend your right to, if you, if this is for you something very serious and it could be, you know, perhaps the letter writer has some childhood experience with being played with in a rough manner. 
that was bothersome to them. And maybe it wasn't necessarily that an adult was doing it. May, you know, maybe it was an adult relative, right? Maybe there was an uncle or a grandparent that was just too rough and tumble um, that stood out in contrast with the way that she felt people typically uh, should engage her. It also could be that maybe there were some kids at school that were rough and the idea of playing rough with her child then begs the idea, will she become that child to someone else or will she think that roughhousing is normal and what might that lead to? So th- I think there could be something a little bit more intense behind this than what the letter has revealed but either way I think we're all on the same page about you perhaps speaking to your therapist about how to best address this as well as talking to your husband at great length (laughs) it does also seem like because the daughter I mean I know the daughter is little but she does seem to enjoy this and I do think there's like an aspect of parenting in which Sometimes your kids enjoy things that you don't find humorous or that you don't enjoy. And if, in fact, they are harmless, you do kind of have to, you know, say, okay, well, this is, you know, assessing that it's harmless. And I mean, Jamila, I think it's a really good point that you made that it's possible there's like so much more behind that, in which case then there may be a really good reason to end this type of play, right? Like if, if it is causing you some kind of trauma because it's reminding you of something, investigating that with the therapist and then possibly even, you know, having your husband or you speaking to your in-laws about that for sure. Um, but I think sometimes as parents, we just have to accept these things that are that our kids find funny and do and set some rules about where those are. I mean, I think the bathroom humor is a great example. I also just have zero tolerance for that. My husband grew up in a house in which that is like still enjoyed by the entire family and to, you know, lots of laughter. And I would never want to put the damper on that in their home, Mm -hmm. but it is not something that I want happening in my home. And I think it's okay to have that, to be like, this is a place in which that is enjoyed and it's funny. And this is a place in which like mom doesn't really find it that funny. And so we just, (laughs) you know, it's better to just not do it here. I don't know. The thing that I keep coming back to is the, wise notion that both of you pointed out of coming to an agreed set of shared parenting ideals with your partner. Like that's the the point and the benefit of partnered parenting is that you have the two of you have worked out and discussed and sometimes are figuring out on the fly, but always with as much honesty as you can muster figuring out what it is you want your house to be like. And in situations like this in which there's an outside force that is doing something you know, with your child that you have to figure out how you feel about it. Part of that honesty is you feeling empowered enough to talk to your partner about how you feel about it. But part of that honesty is also both of you working together to figure out when is it your parents are being dicks about me breastfeeding. And when is it a a thing that the grandparents and our granddaughter really love that my therapist has said will do no harm to anyone. And short of, as Jamila points out, some real past trauma that is making this, you know, outstandingly difficult for you to endure. I think that being able together to work out which side of the line certain behaviors fall on is the goal you should be trying to reach. Not just trying to get your husband to tell your parents well, don't do this thing because you know her. She hates that stuff, which is what this will inevitably inevitably turn into if you treat it in this way. All right. 
intimidated and shy mom. I'm sorry if I made you feel more intimidated and shy. We really are rooting for you and rooting for you and your husband to do even more to work out what kinds of parents you're going to be, which has been a hard thing to figure out in these crazy times. Uh, and it's a it's something that all of us are still figuring out even now. But we believe that you'll get there. Drop us a line and let us know how it's going. Mom and dad at slate.com. All right, let's take a quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Back to the show. All right, listeners. For our next segment, you are in for a treat. Many, many years ago on Mother's Day, Allison and I brought in our mothers to the show, and it was a catastrophic success that I hope never to replicate. Uh, but now I've got b- bigger and better news. The source of Jamila Lemieux, the person who raised her, the source probably, I have to say, of all her wise parenting advice and knowledge and know-how. Joining us today is Jamila's mom. Please welcome Isoki. Hi, Isoki. Hello. Hey, welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Um, Jamila, tell us. Uh, why is Isoki in your closet right now with you? And uh, why did you want to bring her on the show? Well, my daughter has provided so much rich content for me over the years. I figured it was time <laughs> for my mom to do her share. She's largely been protected <laughs> from all of this stuff. Um, but since she was here, I thought it would be fun to let her join the show. And Isoki, you've been in LA for a little while visiting, helping out. How's it been? It's been so nice to be with my family, to be with my daughter and my granddaughter for the first time in about 13 to 14 months. Mm. So I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, LA for me is Chicago and it will take a bit of getting used to, but uh, (laughs) it's been a pleasant visit so far. So we like to start off the show with a triumph or fail. Um, So I'm curious if you have a triumph or fail to share with us, either from your time in LA now or maybe from the distant past of raising our beloved Jamila. Well, I have a tried and feel with Naima. Uh, the last <laughs> oh, time it. we were together, I made this meatloaf that she really, really liked. She was just overwhelmed. And uh, this time I made the meatloaf and um, not only was she not overwhelmed, <laughs> didn't really <laughs> eat it. <laughs> so that's that's my fail. On the other side of the coin, uh, the last time we were together, whenever I came close to Naima with a comb or a brush to comb her hair, it was like traumatic. She would scream words like, you're killing me and uh, <laughs> please stop it. Now, 
now she comes to me. Why are you doing this to me? No, no, that was no. My favorite. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. But she comes to me now and asks me to perform the task. She asked me to do her hair more than once. Oh, well, that's beautiful. That's <laughs> wow. a much greater triumph than your fail that's was a, a triumph. Oh, yeah. Meatloaf is temporary, but that connection is forever. I think it's also a reflection of how much I failed to make Naima feel comfortable while I do her hair, that she's so excited that it, someone else's hands will be grooming her uh, while she's here. So it's my fail is your triumph. So now that you've gotten to spend a, some really good quality time with Naima, how do you think things are different now for a kid growing up than it was when Jamila was her age? And what similarities do you see between them? Oh, it's totally different. Uh, the main aspects, electronics. Jamila was a tremendous reader. We read books, 10, 15 books a week. Uh, Naima goes through 10 or 15 different apps a day. <laughs> um, it's, it's the pace is swifter. The learning process is, is, is more intense. The kids are absorbing more and more information, but differently, differently. Uh, Jamila was introverted. Naima's a tad more outgoing. Mm -hmm. A little, just a little. So we um, have heard a lot how much Naima loves your house and uh, particularly your couch. Uh, but we want to know what you think about Jamila's house. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, you know, I, I, I could live here. I could do this yeah. <laughs> alone. <laughs> <laughs> Naima likes my house, I think, because I have some unique things. And uh, like African artwork and stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of that. The other um, big thing we've heard about since moving to L.A. is Jamila's car. Have you had a chance to, to ride with her? I have. How'd it go? Jamila's car is unique. <laughs> And therefore, it gets a lot of attention. And she drives like her dad. Can I say how? Really sure. Good? Like a bat out of hell. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have your I'm sure he would say. But that I, she I love just the drives car. The car is wonderfully really cool. It is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm such a safe, responsible, like, <laughs> slow driver. Okay. <laughs> you're mentioning the attention that the car gets uh you know brings me to another thing that i'm curious about you know jamila's life is really lived in public she writes and and newsletters and talks on this podcast about her life about her family about you sometimes uh for a living and i'm curious if how you feel about having a daughter who is really putting herself out there in that way. And does it ever make you nervous to have what you might sort of feel like is your business out in the world? But of course you think about what could happen in the future as a result of putting everything on the line. And the fact that I'm not that type of a person, I'm not, I'd like to function in the background, make things happen, be the mover and shaker, but I don't have to, I want to be upfront. But she's been this way for quite a while now. <laughs> so I've become accustomed. Uh, we started writing and publishing at 14. Mm -hmm. 
Not consistently. Until Not consistently, I was but the beginning, that was the beginning. And I had to uh, assume that that was the direction she was going into. And I had to adjust. And when she started working for a major magazine, I knew I had to adjust because that was who she was. We uh, have been in different cities and walked down the street and she's been recognized. Initially, that was kind of, wow, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but uh it took a bit of getting used to do you um like call her up and share your opinion on the things she writes or do you of course of yeah. course of course yeah absolutely yeah. that's awesome i think my mom has a strict only positive feedback uh, <laughs> policy with me still even though i'm 46 <laughs> and could probably take it uh do you have that policy with jamila or will you disagree with her on stuff well, we discuss things, hmm. and uh, being from different generations, of course, we have different opinions uh, and different uh, backgrounds. Um, but more often than not, I'm giving her positive feedback. I try. Since we delve out parenting advice, we were hoping that maybe you might give like the best piece of parenting advice that you've ever given or feel inspired to give now. <laughs> All-purpose parenting advice. All-purpose parenting advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is something that was told to me years ago. I believe Jamila was in preschool. And uh, I was talking to another parent. And the parent told me, you know, we were discussing what was going on in class and how the kids were responding and if they were getting the information the teachers were trying to impart. And she told me, remember this, you have to be responsible for educating your child. It is your personal responsibility. She can get her basics from classrooms, but the ultimate responsibility to educate our children socially, historically, et cetera, lies with us, the parent. What's a story about uh, little Jamila that she will be so angry you told us right now on the podcast? Oh, okay. The runaway story. Okay. <laughs> the runaway story. Jamila was four I think so. For uh and I I don't I can't recall what it is I said that upset her. There were so many things it could have been. But <laughs> she was gonna run away. She had decided to run away. So she bagged up some Oreos <laughs> and she took them. We lived on a second flight in the, an apartment building, and she took them down to the first flight where there was like an alcove, a little, you know. And that was her runaway space. <laughs> That's how far you made it, Jamila? Well, I don't know if I even made it out the door. I just remember thinking it's going to be so awkward when my mom walks back and forth between the door and her apartment because we're going to have to see each other. And that's what like made me ab- abandon the whole plan. I was like, how am I going to deal with that? Can we say hi? And I only had three cookies. So there was that. I wasn't planning on that. I said it wasn't a long. It wasn't a long term. No, I'm saying I only had three in the bag because I think it was one of those like snack size bags. So like that was the other issue. Like how was I going to get more food? Like it wasn't a well baked plan. I had to let it go. Did you want me to run? Do you wish I? I I kind of want to say I was going to try it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we are so grateful to you, Isoki, for all you have done raising this uh, truly unique individual who we get to talk to every week. Clearly, you did something right because 
unlike me, she often delivers actually good thought out parenting advice, but she must have gotten from somewhere. So nice, nice work. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Elizabeth, it's your turn to bring a mom onto the show. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Isoki. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. It was very nice to meet you all. It was so nice was to, meet to meet you. you. All right. Finally, we've got the part of the show where we like to recommend things we enjoy. I like to call it enjoyments. Elizabeth, what do you got? So I am recommending this fun little Rubik's Cube called the Go Cube Smart Rubik's Cube. It connects to an app and it helps you um, <laughs> solve the Rubik's Cube and then coaches you on getting faster. And here is why. Because <laughs> Henry is so into solving this Rubik's Cube and I... I am shameful at being able to help him. It was like an obsession over the drive to try mm. to do this Rubik's Cube. And I was looking up the things and trying to help remember the patterns. I suck at doing that. You start doing it. And then when you get stuck, the app helps you do the next moves and there's different levels and it's teaching you the basic moves. He's gotten really into like watching the competitions in which you do them really fast. He's really interested in learning that. There is zero chance I will be able to teach him that. So now he practices with the cube and then he can practice, you know, on his on his own cube. But now he's been able to, to solve it a few times and he's starting to solve it without help. And then it transforms into helping you, like showing you which moves you know, you made that you didn't need to make. So uh, I don't know. It's I love been, it. I would draw really my derisive fun. laughter. But the idea of another thing being made smart is so funny to me. <laughs> and I have this vision of like someone's Rubik's Cube. Just you can't turn it anymore because you forgot to update the firmware. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to pay a $20 license to turn your Rubik's Cube. I Jeff was very interested in, you know, how it works. But it's it's definitely just displaying the same thing on the computer. It's got some kind of sensor to know which which things are are up and where all your color blocks are and then giving you the next step. But it it is it is totally ridiculous, but it's so fun. And if you have been someone that could never solve a Rubik's Cube and wondered how it's done, which is me, right. it's been really fun to do and be like, oh, okay, it's actually not, it's, it's memorizing a bunch of combinations. Um, as as someone who's it. never been able to solve a Rubik's Cube, if my kid got super into them, <laughs> I would welcome this software into my life wholeheartedly. All right, great recommendation. Jamila, what about you? So I'm not a potato chip person, but I am a cheese potato chip person. I'm a connoisseur of cheese potato chips, and I have found the best one yet. Um, Ruffles queso. If you're buying it in the States, you're getting the U.S. version of their um, queso that they sell in Mexico, which does taste a little bit different. Uh, I've had it there both amazing it's like a slight i mean it, it's like a think of a, a queso dip right um on a chip it's kind of like the if you like the cheddar and sour cream ruffles classic cheese chip with a little kick to it i think you'll enjoy it i eat it i eat them a few times a week and i spend so much time thinking about them it is embarrassing <laughs> they are so good the chip the chip that lives in your brain rent free it lives in my brain rent free Great recommendation. Um, I'm recommending a museum in Washington that I had never been to for some reason, though, even though I've lived here for basically half my life over the course of my 46 years. Uh, the museums in Washington are starting to reopen now, and that has been great. Uh, and so la the, a couple of weeks ago, Alia planned out a trip for us to meet some friends at the National Museum of Women in the Arts, a museum I'd never even heard of before. It's not one of the Smithsonian's. I think that's why I had never heard of it before. Uh, it's a privately run museum, which means it does have an admission 
collection fee, a, a modest one, unlike all the Smithsonian's. Uh, but it is a charming, beautiful, small museum that is perfectly family sized. It takes about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes to walk through. So you're out of there before anyone has a chance to be sick of the experience. And it's a great mix of a extremely well curated collection of classic and contemporary art by women and uh, a rotating set, you know, as all museums have a rotating set of shows, which when we were there were just extremely fascinating. There was a show by uh, the textile artist Sonia Clark, um, who does a lot of work uh, on um, race and visibility, particularly around black hair, and has made a bunch of totally fascinating uh, two-dimensional sculptures using black plastic combs that she Mm. pops the teeth out of to create different uh, wild patterns. All in all, it's like just a great sort of hidden gem museum right here in Washington, D.C. I'm sure for some people it's not hidden at all. They've known about it forever and they'll be like, Dan, you're a dick. For us, it was a hidden gem. We never knew it was here and uh, we really loved it. Great museum to take the family to for an afternoon. All right, that is it for our show. One last time, if you have a question for us, drop us an email, slate.com. We want to hear from you. If we've answered your question and you got an update, send us an email, slate.com. You can also post anything you want in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. We sometimes work our way through that and find questions there as well. And it's a great place where you can get lots of good advice, not only from us, but from your fellow listeners. Everyone's pretty nice. If they're not nice, we kick them out. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook.com. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson, Jamila Lemieux, and Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Dan Coyce. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.